بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد For the next several sessions what I'm going to be covering is a description and detail of what Tasawwuf is all about, what Sufism is supposed to be all about. There's obviously a lot of misunderstanding and confusion about Tasawwuf, Sufism, spirituality, Tazkiyah, however you want to call it. Despite the fact that it's such an important part, meaning the essence of it is such an important part of any Muslim's life, without it you can't really reach Allah because it's all about two things. One is connecting yourself to Allah, purifying the heart, purifying the heart also to inter, interact with others. So to develop our akhlaq with others and devo- develop our akhlaq with ourselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And nobody can deny that. That's essentially the core of it. But unfortunately, there's a lot of misrepresentation. You see, if you've got a teacher who teaches hadith, or who teaches tafsir, or who t- teaches jurisprudence, then there's not as much room for abuse within that teaching or within that environment of students-teacher relationship. But when you've got a, a teacher of, somebody who's seen as a teacher of the sawuf, of spirituality, in which you have to have a very close relationship. And a lot of the time you actually end up in order to correct ourselves, we end up revealing things about ourselves to the teacher. There has to be a very strong relationship. It's a proper interaction. To, to, get, to get something out of it, there has to be an interaction. Uh, to have a sheikh, you need to be able to interact with them. Just to go and take bayah with somebody great that you never see again or that you just see from afar. Well, you get a bit of barakah with that. But you don't have that same connection. You need to be with somebody that you can speak to and then somebody that can respond to you. Because of that close relationship and because there's going to be a lot of love engendered within that, there's a lot of room for abuse. And the abuse is that people who are in that position, they may take advantage of those people who have come to them. The position of being respected and revered and people coming to you, confiding in you, being at your service and helping you can sometimes get to you. Motives can change, intentions can change. And because of the abuse that has taken place within that, sometimes the self ends up getting a bad name because of the problems that have become part of it, unfortunately, in places. Not just that. In order to keep people coming, people then innovate popular practices, things that work. Okay, let's add a bit of this so that people will come in. I mean, look at the Christians, right? I remember reading an article once that they're, they're having these kind of pop concerts, you know, in churches and so on to attract the youth. So, you then try to justify the means by the end. 
and thinking that, okay, if this brings in more people, then let us say that this is permissible as well. So there's a lot of room for abuse in this, as has happened. And over the centuries as well, things have gone wrong. People have been criticized and Sufis have been criticized and Sufis have been defended. But otherwise, it's actually essentially just goes down to the purity of religion. That's really what it is. So what I want to do today, a lot of the time, I mean, if I'm to ask you today, right, how many of you, of you have heard of the Sawwuf for Sufism? Right? I mean, I would say at least most of you, majority of you have heard of the Sawwuf for Sufism. How many of you have actually studied it in any kind of formal sense? Where you've actually covered a textbook written by a great scholar, one of the great scholars of the past that Detail what it's all about. What are the prerequisites of it? What are the conditions for it? What are the benefits of it? What is the subject matter of it? You know, as a proper science, hardly anybody. I mean, I didn't study it for a very long time. So that's why anybody can tell you whatever it is, especially if you're kind of a bit broken, a bit soft, you're a bit depressed, you need some help with something, maybe... You've just lost your job, maybe you've just lost a loved one and then you're looking for that, you know, you're looking and somebody's taking you on and come to the sheikh, this is a great sheikh, this, lot, this happens, that happens. So because of the fact that unfortunately some people have abused this position, it's been given a bad name. We want to set the record straight. We want to, I, I want to cover the soul from one of, uh, a great scholar that I respect. Uh, he was a Maliki scholar from Egypt. I've actually been, I've visited, he's, he's actually buried behind the, the Jamia Al-Azhar, right? The Azhar University is actually buried behind, uh, buried there. Uh, actually, no, he's not buried. Uh, yes, he is. He's buried there. That's right. And um, his name is Sheikh Ahmed Ibn Muhammad Al-Adawi, but more well known as Imam Dardir. That was what he was well known as. And this is from his Al-Kharida Al-Bahiyah, which is essentially a book on, tas- uh, book on Aqidah. So he's written this great text on Aqidah, it's a, it's a poem with a commentary. And at the end of it, he's got a section that talks about Sufism. So what exactly it is. And now I want you to listen carefully to this and see if any of this is questionable. You'll find that there's nothing, and this is supposed to be pure Tasawwuf. Anything beyond that is not Tasawwuf. Right? So he starts off and he says that... Um, وَهَذَا شُرُوءٌ مِّنْهُ سَامَحَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي فَنِّ التَّصَوْفِ أَلَّذِي هُوَ حَيَاتُ الْقُلُوبِ This is the beginning, this is his beginning. May Allah uh, pardon him, may Allah most high pardon him. He's talking about himself actually because he writes the poem at the top in which he says فَأَكْثِرًا مِّن ذِكْرِهَا بِالْأَدَبِ تَرْقَى بِهَا تَرْقَى بِهَذَا الذِّكْرِ أَعْلَى الرُّتَبِ Such a wonderful poem. فَأَكْثِرًا مِّن ذِكْرِهَا بِالْأَدَبِ which means you need to abundantly remember him but with etiquette. Abundantly remember Allah but with adab, with etiquette. And by this you will ascend, by this remembrance you will ascend to the highest of stations and positions. So he's now commenting on that and he says that the poet, which is himself essentially, he's writing his commentary as a third person to this poem. It's very interesting. Right? So he says that may Allah have mercy on him. He starts to discuss the subject of tasawwuf, which is the life of the hearts. So right off, he explains tasawwuf as being the life of the heart. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual nourishment, basically. 
He says that he brought it after discussing all of the articles of faith Because remember this is a book on Aqidah primarily uh, He's talking about the reason why he's, he's mentioned this at the end of an Aqidah, section, Aqidah book Because Aqidah beliefs, creed is all about trying to recognize Allah and know Him now basically adding this on at the end he's trying to say that this is the now the practical way to actually now get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now that you've learned about Allah what you should believe about Allah and his messenger and what you what you shouldn't believe about Allah and his messenger what is correct to believe what is necessary to believe now I want to show you the way to get to Allah which is through the practice of the Sawf, right the practice of Sufism so this is for the first time for most of us right we're going to do a formal study of what the Sawf is all about so he says, Ta'rif al-Tasawwuf, the definition of Tasawwuf, وَحَدُّ التَّسَوُّفِ عِلْمًا is, هُوَ عِلْمٌ بِأُصُولٍ يُعْرَفُ بِهِ صَلَاحُ الْقَلْبِ وَالسَّائِرُ الْحَوَاسِ He's going to define Tasawwuf in two ways. He's going to define Tasawwuf as a science. Then he's going to define Tasawwuf as a practice. Right? This is very interesting. Tasawwuf as a science is the knowledge of those principles by which by which the soundness of the heart can be recognized and the soundness of all other parts of your body, the soundness of all of your other senses. By this knowledge, you'll be able to figure out how to make sound the heart and how to make sound all of our senses, our eyes, our hearing, our uh, touching, etc. That's what Tasawuf seeks to tell us what to do. What is right and what is wrong in gaining soundness of the heart to get a qalbun salim. In practice though, he says, وَعَمَلًا هُوَ الْأَخْذُ بِالْأَحْوَطِ مِنَ الْمَأْمُورَاتِ وَاجْتِنَابُ الْمَنْهِيَاتِ In terms of practice, it is to adopt the most precautious way in everything that has been ordered. So everything that has been ordered, and sometimes you may say that, oh, there's this and there's that. I'm confused which one to take. This one is more. He says, take the most precautious one. Right? To adopt the most precautious position in everything. And to abandon th- th- those things which are forbidden. And then he says, So we know that one are those things that we are obligated to do. So we must do those. And we must do the most precautious one in those things. Even if there's a difference of opinion. And then he says, uh, those things which have been prohibited, completely abandon them. And then all of those things which are permitted, mubah, they're neutral, permitted. Only do those as much as is necessary. Only do of that whatever is essential. So for example, you can eat. As long as it's halal, you can eat. But only eat as much as is essential. Don't eat too much. Speaking to somebody is permissible, but only speak to somebody as much as is essential. So in everything that is generally seen as permitted, well, do, do it if it's necessary. Now, I know this is a very high standard, right? Don't get put off by this. It is just to get us away from the distractions that we already have to at least get us somewhere closer. May Allah give us tawfiq. So that is the definition both from a scientific perspective, but from a technical perspective and from a practical perspective. And he says, look, it's also said, some people have also defined it as follows. Huwal jiddu fi suluki ila maliki al-muluk. 
This is to exercise absolute seriousness. This is to be serious, firmly resolute in trying to follow the path to the king of all kings. That's another way of putting it. To be serious and to say, Bas, that's it, I just want to follow the path to my Lord, the king of all kings. Yet there's another, you see, because for everybody who's gotten into this and who's experienced the benefits of it, everybody's going to describe it in a different way. right? Because this is how they see it. And they're all correct. right? None of these contradict each other. They're just different ways of looking at it. وَيُقَالُهُ حِفْظُ الْحَوَاسِ وَمُرَاعَاتُ الْأَنْفَاسِ Right? So this fourth definition says that this is protecting your senses, guarding your senses, and guarding your every breath. What am I doing? How do you guard your breath? Breathing, breathing is spontaneous. The only time you actually become conscious of your breath is when you've got a breathing problem. Otherwise, who thinks of their breath? Pray, the only time that you actually think you're breathing is when you've got a breathing problem and you can't breathe properly or when you're trying not to breathe because you're hiding somewhere and you don't want anybody to hear you. Otherwise, when would you think about your breath? So the idea is to be so conscious of yourself that, Allahu Akbar, that we never set a foot wrong. Allah help us, Allah help us, Allah help us. I pray to Allah these aren't empty words, that He make these a reality for all of us. Um, he says that all of these have a similar meaning All of these definitions have a similar meaning Okay what, what, is, what is the objective? Because you know when you study a science They generally tell you at the beginning What is the objective? What are your um, What do they say in outcomes? What do they use in this modern education uh, language? These are the outcomes these are your key stages. I, I get really troubled by all of these school terms that they use because they seem so foreign, right? They, they one day in my time when I was studying at school. This is all new now, right? You know, it's, you're in year six, you're in year nine. Just tell them what age you are, man. I get confused with these things, so I have a problem with them. Anyway, he says the subject matter is al akhlaq al muhammadiyya min haythu taqalluki biha. What is what, what? What will you achieve if you do this? What is the final goal? Right. One of those goals, sorry, uh, one of his ghaya, the ghaya, is salahul qalb wa sairul hawas fi dunya wal fauzu bi aal al marati bi fi al uqba. What the objective that you will gain, the 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 result that you will have from this is soundness of the heart and all of your senses in the dunya. Because that's what we need in the dunya, the heart to be sound and the senses to be sound. But in the hereafter, to, to win, to be a champion of the highest levels of the hereafter. To basically attain the highest levels of the hereafter, that is what we will be promised, that uh, we are promised if you do this. Okay, what is its subject matter then? What do you have to work on? Uh, what is the subject matter of medicine? The human body, I guess, right? Biology. What is the subject matter of grammar? Language. Right. So what is the subject matter of tasawwuf, of Sufism? He says, Al-akhlaqul muhammadiyya min haythu takhalluki biha. The Muhammadan characteristics. Muhammadan character, the sublime character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
but not just as a study of how great the Prophet ﷺ was. Look how great his character was. That's not the subject matter. The subject matter is how do we become imbibed with that character. So it's essentially the human being, the human body, the human characteristic, the human psyche, the human behavior. That's the subject matter of how we can implement the akhlaq of Muhammad ﷺ. Now there's a few uh, term in terms that he clarifies. Because you know once you get into tasawwuf, and you start reading the books of Tasawwuf and you start listening to the scholars of Tasawwuf, they're going to be talking about tariqah, right? Which tariqah are you in? In fact, if you go to Turkey today, they don't just ask you what madhab you are, they say, a tariqah, like which tariqah are you? Like which order, Tasawwuf Sufi order are you, right? So what does tariqah mean? Then of course we know the word sharia. So what's the difference between tariqah and sharia? And then there's another word, haqiqah. Right, these are the ashabul. He's a he's a sahibul haqiqa. He's a he's a possessor of reality. So haqiqa means reality. Sharia generally means sacred law, and tariqa means a path. But he's going to describe how these terms are related from a Sufi context. Right. So those who are listening and who've who've been basically until now who've always thought the Sufi is a bad thing, and Sufism is like an evil and it's a bid'ah and it's a shirk and you know. All the, all the rest of it that generally you find online that people say, right? People who are committed don't understand it. They say or they see the bad tasawf and they say that. I want you to open your mind and just bear with me until we finish this off. Then make your judgment, right? Because a lot of the time, this is the exact thing that we're saying to non-Muslims in this country. We're saying that you are judging Muslims by the few people who do crazy acts. Have you ever read the Qur'an? Have you ever read the hadith of Rasulullah, the Prophet, Messenger of Allah Have you ever interacted with a good Muslim? They'll say no. So how can you make that judgment? We all make that same mistake when it comes to other things. We probably make the same mistakes when it comes to other religions, other means. We, we find like the worst case scenario. I remember I read an article about something that uh, some Jews or Christians do. Right, and I had that in my mind. So the the, the last time I was actually with uh, this group in an interfaith program, and I had, you know, I had to make a discussion. Uh, I had to discuss something. So I managed to climb. They said, no, that's just like some extreme extreme people who do this. Nobody in the mainstream believes that or do that practice. It happens all over the place. And we humans, if we don't like somebody or somebody's different, then as soon as we hear something bad about them, we we form an opinion about them. This is what the majority of people do, unfortunately. You know, not everybody is very scientific and reserves their view. Right? I only learnt it because I have to do counselling. And somebody comes to you and they tell you, the wife comes and she tells you about the husband. Right? And if you've formulated an opinion already, you're, you're in trouble. Because when you teach to the husband, you're already going to be biased. And then when you actually listen to the husband and you overcome your bias, and you start getting biased on the other side then. Right? And then you have to realise that the only time you actually get the truth out is when you sit both of them together. Otherwise, when you sit separately and listen to both parties, right, whether in an argument, a mother and son, you know, or mother and sister, brother and sister, whatever, business partners, everybody pulls their side. They don't tell you that, they don't, they, they exaggerate the truth of it, if they don't outright lie. When you put them together, then they can't do that, then you can actually challenge each one. Then it, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, I, I know what you mean, right, it wasn't that bad. So, you have to, you just can't, don't, don't take things to heart that people tell you because... Especially if it's about somebody else, it's unfair for us to actually do that. But unfortunately, most people do that. So the difference, he says, أَنَّ التَّصَوْفِ بِمَعْنَ الْعَمَلِ هُوَ الطَّرِيقَةِ 
He says, tasawwuf in action, in a practical action, that is the tariqah. That's uh, essentially the tariqah means the path to Allah. So everything that you need to do specifically to be on that path and to progress on that path, that is called tariqah. It's the practice of tasawwuf. But practicing on this path can't be arbitrary, can't be as you wish. Even if your so-called shaykh tells you to do something, that doesn't mean that it's that, that that doesn't mean it's correct. You need Sharia with it. Sharia is as part of tariqah as possible because Sharia is the guiding light. So Sharia is. وَأَمَّا الشَّرِيعَ فَهِيَ الْأَحْكَامُ الَّتِي وَرَدَتْ عَنِ الشَّارِعِ الْمُعَبَّرَ عَنْهَا بِالدِّينِ بِالدِّينِ The Sharia then are those rulings and commands that sacred law by which which has basically come from the legislator, from Allah and His Messenger. The law that has come from Allah and His Messenger, which is generally referred to as the deen. That's the Sharia. So essentially it's telling us that tariqah is just following the Sharia. That's essentially what it's telling you, isn't it? That's what it results in. Tariqah means just to follow the Sharia. Sharia are the laws. Then what is haqiqah then? Reality, what is that? فَهِيَ أَسْرَارُ sharia. Those are the secrets of the Sharia. وَنَتِيجَةُ tariqah, And the result of being on the path. Now remember, when you make an effort in anything, don't you get something? If you play football very well, aren't you going to get something out of it? Right? You may even become so famous that people in the pubs of Liverpool will start calling your name. Right? Because you're so good at football. And then they'll actually start invoking God. What do they say? He came from Allah, yeah. Subhanallah. I was like, what is that? Subhanallah. In anything that you make an effort, there's going to be a result that comes from it. Something's going to open up to you. When you start playing football very well, I'm assuming that you'll actually start understanding how it works. And you'll be able to become a lot more controlled and better. Right? It's a complete ignorant person that's speaking about football, by the way, right? And you guys, I'm sure many of you know much better than what I'm talking about. And that's in anything. When you start studying a language, you start understanding the nuances of each word. In anything, it's like that. So if you start diligently following the Sharia, you will start seeing the fruits of it. You will start seeing the warmth of it in your heart. The blessings of it will beautify you. And you will start feeling it. That is when, you really re when, that's when a person reaches the haqiqah of faith. The reality of the faith. Otherwise, we're just, we're just trying and following. But when you actually follow properly with full sincerity, according to the adab that he has mentioned with abundant dhikr, then you will actually start feeling the reality of it. And that's why he says that the haqiqah is essentially the secrets that will come along the way of your sharia, that you will get from the sharia. And this will be the fruits of your tariqah. فَهِيَ عُلُومٌ وَمَعَارِفٌ تَحْسُلْ لِقُلُوبِ السَّالِكِينَ بَعْدَ صَفَائِهَا مِنْ كَدَرَاتِ الطَّبَاعِ الْبَشَرِيَّةِ now this really tells us how you will achieve it. He says, these are, this is the knowledge and the gnosis, the awareness, the cognizance that will be realized by the heart of the salikim, that will be realized by the hearts of those who are traversing this way, those who have taken up this path. After those hearts have been cleansed and purified of 
all human all human nature or normal human weakness and nature so this path is essentially the way to cleanse ourselves of the normal human failings don't be quick to judge somebody right don't think evil of someone don't have hatred in the heart this is all the dirt of the human nature that normally we, we, we become adulterated with once that's cleansed there's room for more positive things that will come in the mind see negative people constantly think of negative things once the heart is cleansed of negativity then inshallah a lot of positivity a lot of spirituality a lot of love and warmth for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come about and then this is where he basically hits the nail of the, on the head now that he's told us that, okay, so now we have an idea that we want to follow this path, we want to get a haqiqah, we want to follow the sharia, but what is the fastest way to do this? Wala shay'a aqrab qalbi There is nothing more effective in cleansing the heart min kathrati dhikri la ilaha illallah There is nothing that is more effective in cleansing the heart than the abundant remembrance of la ilaha illallah but with the adab you can't just say la ilaha la ilaha illallah but with the adab with the etiquette allati dhakaraha ahlullahi radiyallahu ta'ala anhum which have been mentioned by the people of Allah those who have actually experienced it they can tell you the best way to do this why do you have mentors you want you know you want to go into a particular vocation right you want to go into sciences you want to go into medicine or whatever, generally you find a mentor, somebody who's done it, been there, done that, right? So they'll tell you, look, no, no, don't do it that way, do it this way. I know that it says that in the books, but this is, this is actually more effective. You know, for you, I think you should do this one. So you basically go to somebody experienced. That's the whole point of this. But unfortunately, there's just so much abuse out there, right? That you just don't know who to trust sometimes. And to be honest, I... It's probably, you know, when you, when you hear the, you know, you, when you hear what the characteristics of a mentor is supposed to be, you're going to think that there's nobody like that available. I mean, it's like prophets. You need somebody. Um, so then he says, well, look, you just take the best person you can find, even if he's not perfect. Because we need this. That's what he's saying. But what he says basically is that if you do the dhikr of la ilaha illallah with the adab, with the etiquette that the people of Allah have mentioned, may Allah have mercy on them, may Allah be pleased with them, then that will be the most, most effective means for you to, to, uh, to, to cleanse your heart. وَمَتَى تَرَكَ السَّارِكُ الْآدَابِ أَوْ أَكْثَرَهَا بَعُدَ عَلَيْهِ الْوُصُولِ إِلَى مَطْلُوبِهِ Whenever, he says, the, the, the seeker, the aspirant, the, the murid, right, the one who's on the path, Whenever he abandons the adab, the etiquette, or even a majority of the adab, if he abandons them, then attaining this objective is going to become very distant from him. It's going to become far-fetched from him. So the most important thing is to have the adab and the etiquette to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the next section basically discusses the adab of dhikr. Right? And what's interesting is that it tells you the adab that are the preliminary adab, the prerequisites. 
These are the adab and the etiquette that you have to follow before you even sit to do dhikr. And he mentions several of them. The qabliya. Then he talks about the adab that you need to have when you're doing dhikr. And then the third level are the adab ba'diya. That even after you finish dhikr, how do you actually make sure you take the greatest benefit from it? How do you essentially rinse out every part of it and not lose any of it? Because remember, when you do dhikr of Allah, there's a lot of movement that's taken place which you can't see. How can you actually benefit from that entire environment and take the most benefit from it? So he's got ada for that as well. So we, we stop here and um, we'll, we'll do our muraqabah. But can you see, can, so far, can you see anything questionable in any of this? I mean, it, it seems to be quite straightforward. But as I told you in the beginning, that the position is such a position unlike teaching hadith or Quran or tafsir or whatever, right? That it can be abused. It can, in fact, it can become cultish because of very strong links that you will build and then sometimes it can almost seem cultish. And then if, if the sheikh says, if the sheikh isn't balanced or the murid isn't balanced, what they may reveal or what they may tell others about it or what they may convey may be actually misunderstanding, misrepresenting. There's just so much room here of problems. That's why, unfortunately, many people, a lot of people have actually just written it off as something which is alien to Islam and it's not. And that's why we've got so much. I believe that that is one of the reasons that we've got so much chaos out there in terms of people devoid of faith, people losing their faith. Because when everybody's looking for dalil for everything, right? And dalil and proof isn't easy to come by for every uh, come by for everybody. Not everybody's a scholar that they can go and check things up, and you know look into the large tomes and books. So then people just say like, hey, uh, you know that, and then people just give up doing things. Otherwise, the people of the past pretty much. I mean, they say until the beginning of the 19th century, majority of the countries in the world had uh, had tasawwuf. The majority, I mean, that's a survey that's done. That everybody had some level of tasawwuf. And of course, you had the corrupt ones in there, and the exotic ones, and the Nigerian ones in there as well. But pretty much everybody was into it. It's from the beginning of the 19th century, right, that we've had so many problems. We're just living in a bad time. But for some reason, Allah has brought us here, so we ask Allah for help in this time, inshaAllah. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam jalali wal ikram. سبحان الله العلي الأعلى الوهاب اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah, we ask you for your mercy Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness Oh Allah, forgive us our sins Those we have committed in the openness of day, the darknesses of night Those we have committed and we remember those that we have forgotten O oh Allah, those we have committed accidentally, those we did purposely. O oh Allah, whatever they are, whatever shortcomings we have, O oh Allah, whatever defects we have, whatever weaknesses we have, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, correct us. O oh Allah, purify us. O oh Allah, cleanse our heart. O oh Allah, connect us to you. O oh Allah, make us of those that can say on the day of judgment that you loved us and we loved you. O oh Allah, make us of those who have great love in their heart for you. O oh Allah, fill our hearts with your love, with your obedience, and make disobedience hated in our hearts. 
Oh Allah, allow us guide us in everything that we do. Oh Allah, allow this path to become a reality for us. Oh Allah, grant us the haqiqah. Oh Allah, allow us to fully observe the sharia. Oh Allah, we ask that you facilitate this path for us. Oh Allah, make us to be of those who are written as fortunate in the hereafter. Oh Allah, facilitate that path for us. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who will be considered wretched and unfortunate in the hereafter. Oh Allah, do not make us from the ashqiya. Do not make us of those from the ashqiya who you will not want to look at and who you will turn away from and who your messenger sallallahu alayhi wa will turn away from. Oh Allah, allow us to drink from the hands of our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And oh Allah, allow us to be close to him. Allow us to gain his intercession. Oh Allah, allow us to be imbibed with the prophetic character. Oh Allah, allow us to be imbibed with the prophetic character. This month of Ramadan is coming upon us. Oh Allah, we ask that you facilitate for us the greatest benefits that we can gain from this month. Oh Allah, allow us, give us barakah both before the month has begun and in the, in the month itself and thereafter so that we can finish up whatever we need to do and allow this month to hold the greatest advantage for us to bring about the greatest bounties for us to blow its winds of barakah and its forgiveness and allow us to be able to bask in the outpour of its, of its mercy Oh Allah, your mercy will begin to descend the doors of paradise will be opened up the doors of hellfire will be closed and shayateen will be locked up. Oh Allah, make us of those who truly benefit from all of these changes that you are making. Oh Allah, make us this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Make us closer to you than we've ever been before. But oh Allah, above all, whatever we gain in this Ramadan, keep us close to you even after it. Oh Allah, every Ramadan comes, we get a bit of a boost. We become, we think we get closer. But as soon as Ramadan finishes, then we go back to where we were before. Oh Allah, do not make this the case this year. Oh Allah, we are all only getting older. Oh Allah, we're only getting closer to our death, minute by minute, second by second. Allow us to be able to guard each one of our breaths, each one of our moments. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who are distracted, for we are the distracted ones. Oh Allah, make us of those who only focus on the beneficial knowledge. And O oh Allah, keep us away from harmful knowledge. Keep us away from useless knowledge. O oh Allah, there are so many pastimes and waste times nowadays. There are a lot of distractions. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us insight to do only that which is of benefit. O oh Allah, we ask you to take control of us. We ask that you control us. Take us by the forelocks and make us of those that will enter Jannatul Firdaus. O oh Allah, bless our parents and our children, our families and the entire Muslim world. O oh Allah, bring back insaniya to the insan as well. O oh Allah, allow us, grant us prosperity in the projects that we're doing. O oh Allah, accept this place and all the other projects that any of us here that may be doing. Those who are listening, those who are present, O oh Allah, grant them barakah and do not let them leave without being forgiven. O oh Allah, let us be forgiven before Ramadan so that we can get even more during the month of this uh, of Ramadan. Oh Allah, oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, whatever difficulties that anyone may face in front of uh, in front of them, remove those difficulties. Whatever sicknesses there are, oh Allah, remove those sicknesses. Oh Allah, grant us cure for both our spiritual, physical ailments. Oh Allah, oh Allah, those who have any other kind of difficulty, 
those who have planned any journeys, any trips, Umrah, whatever it may be, O oh Allah, make those facilitated, make those easy, make those full of blessing and barakah. O oh Allah, accept from all of us, accept from all of us, accept from all of us. Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifoon, wa salamun ala al-mursaleen, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.